welcome to the Canada's History Podcast. This is a special educator series where we speak with the finalists for the 2018 Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Created in 1996, the award recognizes best practices in teaching Canadian history. It's an opportunity to highlight the important work that teachers and students are doing to research, interpret, and share the stories of the past. My name is Joanna Dawson, and today I'm speaking with Maxine Hildebrandt, a grade three to four teacher at Mother Earth's Children's Charter School in Warburg, Alberta, and Liesl Gunderman, a grade four five teacher at Wildwood School in Wildwood, Alberta. Through a unique teaching partnership, Maxine and Liesl have created a cultural exchange for their young students from different backgrounds and communities. After initial steps to introduce the students from Canada's first and only Indigenous charter school and students from a small rural public school, the teachers planned and delivered four field trip days rich in history learning where each school hosted the other over a period of four months. Thank you both for speaking with me today and congratulations on being named finalists for this year's Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Thank you so much. Thank you. So first of all, can you each take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about your school and your students? Well, my name is Liesl Gunderman. I'm a teacher in Wildwood, Alberta. It's a very tiny town in rural Alberta. It's a K-9 school. Most of our students live rurally, like they would live on a farm or live on an acreage and they're bused into the school. It's my 26th year of teaching that I'm just finishing and I've been a teacher at the school the whole entire time of teaching, which is a uniqueness, I guess. That longevity is, it's put me in a situation where I have, I am able to experience teaching kids that I have taught their parents, possibly I have grand students and as kids are coming up through the years, there are some kids I teach where I've known them since they were a baby in a basket, and I've known that in the years to come, they'll be workmates of mine. So that's a uniqueness about my career, I would say. My name is Maxine Hildebrandt, and I'm a teacher, grade, grade four teacher at Mother Earth Children's Charter School near Warburg, Alberta. Um, my, my school is a K-9 school, and we have roughly about 65 to 70 students in our school, so low amounts of enrollment in each of the classes. I teach a combined grade three, four, like I said, and most of, almost all of our kids are bused in from the nearby Paul First Nation. Our, our students are primarily Cree or Stony descent and also Métis. Um, our, our school is, is a charter school, and in Alberta, a charter school is a publicly final um, we follow the Alberta Program of Studies, but we also provide education in an enhanced way to improve our student learning. And our focus in our school is that we value the medicine wheel as our philosophy of balance. Um, we teach also the seven sacred teachings um, of Indigenous knowledge, and um, we help prepare our students, you know, build upon spiritual connectedness, um, this is a way of, of helping them realize personal excellence for themselves. And uh, land, also land-based learning 
is a very integral part of our students' education. Okay, great. And how did you two meet and and come up with this project that you're going to tell us about? Our meeting was a chance meeting a couple of summers ago. Maxie and I both chose to do in a summer course to become an Alberta education or Alberta Hunter Education instructor and get that certification. And it's about a week long course in the summer. The group of teachers at the course included Maxie and myself, and that's where we met just randomly for the first time. But as we were taking the course of hunter education instructor certification, all of the, like what we realized and really bounced ideas off of each other, they had to do with everything that we were taking at the course, uh, doing learning, doing outdoors, all of the activities, uh, things that they were putting us through for that program. They were all, we could completely see how they would be transferable to you could do those activities with kids in your social studies teaching, in your science teaching to meet your curriculum objectives, and it would be a very authentic way for kids to do the curriculum without um, just doing it as book work or, or reading it or something like that. We were, we were totally excited and energized with what we were doing at that course and seeing the way it would be so transferable to working with kids in school. And when the course was finished, we just kind of left it at that, at that point, like we didn't have a vehicle to partner necessarily, and then that opportunity came up about six months later. Yeah, I just want to add to that, Joanna. Um, I came across um, a, a, a cultural grant through the Canadian Multicultural Education Foundation, and I found out that they were, they were giving out some money um, to qualifying teachers who were going to build a cultural exchange between um, a school primarily serving Indigenous students and a students, uh, another school with non-Indigenous students. And I thought that when I, when I heard about this grant, that LISO would be the ideal partner with. And I, um, I really appreciated her enthusiasm and her, her, um, her interest to learn more about First Nation people and, and bringing those perspectives, as well as, well as historical perspectives, the classroom, and I thought that um, creating creating learning and instances where both of our students can benefit from would be just a really high, a real highlight of, of our teaching, my teaching experience to that point. Being a newer teacher of only like six years of teaching. Hmm. Right. So you sort of had a bit of a, a mentorship relationship. Yeah, that's really neat. Well, and reciprocated. Maxine is a teacher with less than 10 years of experience technically, but she's the kind of person that you'd think she's been a teacher for 100 years. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it was a two-way exchange for, for the two of you as well. Yeah, so the project, it came known as the Culture Exchange, and approximately, like our distance between the schools approximately would be, we're about an hour and a half apart. So with our two classes, we decided to organize four events between the two schools, two trips where the, uh, the kids would go one way two times and then the other group of students would come the other way for the other two trips. And the four main event activities of the project were a David Bouchard author day. Maxine regularly has David Bouchard come and visit her class each year and do a storytelling 
day with the kids, and we felt that was an important part of the kickoff for our project because of the importance of story. Our second get-together was a high canning day. This was a, like a whole bunch of traditional knowledge, historical practice that the kids were able to experience right hands-on. We had a third day of meeting at a, a Pemina River Valley that's kind of close to Wildwood, and we looked at the history of why why did Evansburg and Entwistle become the surrounding towns around this Evansburg area. At the river shore, we built an upshucks. We did gold panning, whistle carving, uh, leather works with the kids. In the afternoon, we had a walk where we looked at native plants, like medicinal or different uses of native plants. And our fourth trip was a fishing trip out to a trout pond that's near Wildwood. And we invited the grandparents in the community to come out and do storytelling with the kids to tell them about what life was like for them when they were kids in the area and going to school. And a lot of the kids that I teach, their parents, grandparents, uh, like they've just got generational roots in the community. So when grandparents come out to talk, they're the grandparents that everybody knows, like we're all so connected. But the glue for our four visits was uh, like our relationship between the classes and some of the work that the kids did to make that glue for the projects was the creation of an all about me poster about each of themselves, like with a picture and telling special things about them. And then writing pen pal letters to each other back and forth. And that was uh, uh, like a, a more quantity of writing for the kids to be able to ask questions, about get to know each other, and then share things about themselves. And the kids kept scrapbooks as well, too, which I think would be a special keepsake for them lifelong because it was such a remarkable experience. I would imagine that they that that this was an incredible experience for them and sort of transformational, perhaps. Can you describe some of the learning that you saw take place as they went through this project? I have, I actually do have a student that at the beginning of the school year, school year, he was so kind of closed off and he just he didn't want to talk to anybody. He didn't want to make any friends. He you know he kind of had a lower um, outlook of school and he missed his and he's just you know, he's just one of those students that just kind of like, you know, kind of like fell off by, the, by himself. And what I found what was interesting is once we started talking about about uh, learning about another culture, uh, all of a sudden I saw him, he started perking up a little bit more, and he wanted to know more about these, about these kids, a lot of them from Ukrainian and German heritage backgrounds, so different from his own. And all of a sudden... He started coming to school more regularly. We, you know, he, he started taking interest in, in just wanting to, to know more and, you know, and also being able to do his part to share. Um, all, of, all of our kids are, are encouraged to share their gifts and their, and their talents with other people and, and to, you know, um, look, you know, look positively to new experiences. Well, it turned out that little bit by little bit we saw happening in, in him and this little boy I have to tell you he packed his own lunch and it's the same lunch every day for the whole school year and the, when we had our fishing trip lo and behold I saw him sitting on the gravel uh, right by the by the by the trailer eat with a plate of fish and fries in his lap and I was like blown away astounded 
I had to stop right then, whip out my phone, and take a picture of him because that was shocking, actually, to see him him doing that. And, uh, and you know, so, suddenly he was starting to talk to other kids. He started to make friends. His letter writing, he started saying that he's making new friends and he's enjoying his experiences. He he talked. He was looking forward to every new little little event that came along, and uh, I I was I happened to meet up with his his grandmother in in Stony Plain one day, and I told her what was going on, and she I showed her the picture, and she took a big gasp and couldn't believe what she saw. You know, in like holding their head up and introducing themselves, we actually had to learn how to introduce ourselves and how to act like gracious hosts when, you, when you've got visitors coming to your school. There were a lot of, of um, skills like that, like the communication and, you know, collaborating learners, right, that had to be taught to my kids. But they were such willing recipients, and, uh, you know, they, they, wanted, they wanted to share themselves with these other new kids. A ripple effect with some of the Wildwood kids had to do with travel and exploration. Like after our culture exchange year, uh, uh, one of my students, his parents, his dad was completely inspired by David Bouchard as a storyteller and David's encouragement to travel to the north. And that uh, they made that be their summer holiday, like they went to the Yukon. So I received a text midsummer that it's like, we made it to the Yukon. And they were uh, like, this is families that are actually spending their vacation dollars to go and explore something that they were inspired about, really, like with meeting each other and getting to know each other. Um, another student in my class, it, it really inspired her to research her family background. Like she did realize that in her household and grandmother's household, there were a lot of really interesting scrapbooks that had started to be, uh, like pieces that had started to be archived by members of her family. So she would be the next generation picking up that interest and desire to record and document. And uh, another student of mine completely, uh, his family has really gone uh, heavy interest in survival. They've created a, a web channel, like a YouTube channel for outdoor survival. Uh, like a lot of the activities for the kids it drew in their life outside of school to become a part of school and for them to be able to share their know-how or have people in their family realize that the, the know-how that they had in their family that they could share would be, uh, were, like everyone was really interested in it and this is valuable knowledge and that people wanted to know what they knew. It really elevated everyone's sense of pride, I would say, and who they are, where they've come from and then a desire to find out and extend to others, like, who are you? Where have you come from? Like, what, uh, like, finding out about each other. And I would say I'm very proud as a teacher that I have a class that's come to be labeled as accepting. If they meet new people, my kids are the ones that are open arms and welcoming and uh, gracious hosts because, because of what they've had modeled by Maxine, her students, the the way that the way that Maxine operates with her warmth of uh, accepting everyone and uh, and 
finding out what they have to share and what's interesting about them and that there is something interesting about everyone and everyone's background. So for me, sort of looking at this project and thinking about um, how the students might be learning, it seems to me that there's the opportunity for them to explore um, Indigenous and Western approaches to knowledge and learning. Did they sort of grapple with this at all? Did they recognize those differences or, or deal with them? Did you encourage them to explore them? Well, one of, one of the, the things, and even at a, at a young level, you can teach children to examine things from multiple viewpoints. And when we're talking about, about whatever, whatever we're talking about, whether it's a, um, you know, a concept or, or a, you know, a certain thing, a certain issue that, or something that happened in history, you can, you can teach kids. And one of, the, one of the ways that I have for, for showing kids multiple perspectives is that, I was telling, you know, Lisa and I about this, like this, you have to, you have, you put out, you make a, create a display of a number of different items all kind of jumbled together. And you show the kids the, you know, the, the display from one viewpoint and you ask them what they see. What do they, what do they notice about all the items? What can they, what can they tell? Can they draw any conclusions from what they're looking at? And then, and, you know, you, you get different responses. And then after that, you, you take them and you show them, move them to a different area and show them, you know, another angle and another angle. And, you know, and when, when, you're, when you're showing them different parts, they suddenly realize things behind that they never saw before. And it, it changes their, their outlook and it shows them that, you know, just like you can look at, like at an object from different viewpoints, same thing what happens in, 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 in with history. You know, you can look at things from different viewpoints and see different part, aspects of it. My kids, um, coming from a uh, First Nation background, I'm, you know, they're, they're, they're very interested in stories that the elders tell them and, uh, and teachings that are passed down through them in, in oral traditions. You know, a lot of them learn things from their grandparents, and uh, you know, it's it, a lot of their stories. And so, when you're teaching First Nations perspective, um, you know, they they can look at it, they can look at it through the lens of like the seven sacred teachings. You know, like if you're looking at, for example, conservation, the concept of conservation. Well, in Cree and Stony, we don't have a word that translates to conservation in our in our in our native language. Um, but we, or, or sustainability, or, um, you know, mat, wildlife management, things like that. We don't have those specific type of terms. But what we do have are terms like respect, and honesty, and truth, and wisdom, humility, those kinds of, those kinds of concepts. And when my kids can, under, they can understand conservation through seven sacred teachings, because what they realize is that it all boils down to respect. Wakotawin. Wakotawin means um, that means uh, we're all related. We're all connected, and they see themselves connected to the earth, to the to the to the land. You know, the land is like our, our it's like our mother earth, and they you know it the the land sustains us. So if we're going to have a relationship with the land, so it can sustain us for future generations, we need to have that respect in there, and. You know, um, we we whenever we whenever I uh, introduce a concept like 
you know, care of natural resources. Sure, there is that Western perspective that, you know, um, a lot of a lot of our curricular content leans towards a teaching from a Western perspective, but you can also bring in the indigenous knowledge as well. And it's amazing because kids can they they can take that in and they can actually see how the two of them can mesh and be interrelated. And it's not like you have to choose one over the other. It's they're very interconnected like that. They can they can understand terms like like endangered, threatened, extinct. And they can understand that that's a result of that breakdown in relationships that we have with taking too much of our natural resources or not using, you know, not, not using our resources wisely. The different perspectives of learning. I don't know if the kids would be is in tune to it so much, but for Maxine and myself, the pedagogy of it, we could dig into for, like, ocean depth. But, like, I know for myself, TV that I've been sent to this year, um, okay, so, for example, I get sent to a course that is uh, in uh, how to integrate Indigenous ways of teaching into your regular teaching. Well, when I went to the TV, I was sent to and looked and was presented with the eight Aboriginal ways of learning. When I transferred that over to the culture exchange that we had done together, it was like check, 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 and check. Like we're covered on all those things in the most authentic and genuine way. So it it was really a very interesting meshing of the of the two approaches. And what what advice would you give to any teachers who are thinking of doing an exchange like this? I mean, it's clear that there's so much value. And what I really like about your project is that your communities are actually quite close to each other geographically. You're not all across, way across from each other in the country. So, um, well, yeah, what advice would you give and what, what do you think is the real um, value here? Uh, well, actually, actually, I would strongly encourage um, a teacher to consider entering into a cultural exchange. It's, it's, it doesn't have to be really, really big and fancy and formal or anything. You know, it's just, it's the thing about a cultural exchange is that it affords opportunity to actually learn about who your neighbors are and to learn what their stories are. And that, and really, that's what history is all about. It's, it's, um, it's, it's looking at questions and, and going deeper and doing a little bit of research. And, you know, it's the, the cultural exchange, I mean, you're, you're basically, you're getting kids coming together and sharing in a lot of, I, I believe, positive experiences. And then they, from there, you know, they, they start building good relationships. There's a lot of spin-offs, um, a lot of, lot of benefit, extra positive benefits that you might not be looking for at the outset. But you realize that your kids be, are becoming stronger writers because they want to write deeper pentel letters. They become, um, you know, a lot more, a lot more caring, and you know, they want to reach out. They want, um, you know, draw pictures. They want, they want to build a relationship, and really, really, that's what that's, you know, that's a, a really big thing for a cultural exchange. You can learn, you can have people learning about you. Like I, I, I've heard of a lot of schools learning about native people, but how about if you actually contacted a native? 
community or a school or, you know, a, a, you know, a First Nation reserve. And yet you got to know people one-on-one. You suddenly realize that there's a lot of barriers that come down, a lot of stereotypes that are, that, you know, can be kind of tossed off to the wayside. And, you know, relationships built on trust, those kinds of things are, you know, are, are, are benefits that, that come from this. Um, what I would suggest, if somebody is interested in taking part of the cultural exchange, what I would suggest is that teachers themselves look towards um, about what strengths that they themselves bring can bring to the exchange, what, what talents and gifts and specialty areas do they, do they have that they would like to share, and then you know, also consider what kind of cultural groups are represented in your school. You know, you could have, you, you could be a, a, a multicultural group and, and there could be a lot of sharing, a, a lot of sharing that way or you might be just, you know, you know, predominantly one culture group. Again, a lot of sharing that could be happening. And the, something yeah. about the project, the simplicity of it, the formula, we were, like, we're just so happy with the way it came together. Like, the formula of this project is completely replicable by anybody with anything that they want to do. And it's, you bring two groups of people together that have complete different histories. Think of ways that you can, each other's backgrounds by getting together. And the, the relationship glue of things like the pen pal letters or the All About Me posters and going into the stories of each other's family or the stories of the surrounding area where you live is it's completely open-ended and it can be as simple as you want to make it or it can be as complicated as you want to make it like Maxine and I continuously as the years progress are always it's, it's, all, it's always popping into our mind what direction we want to take the platform next and it will still always follow that simple formula of we're taking two diverse groups of people putting them together to meet and connect in relationships and let's see what we can find out with, on our visits. Let's see what we can find out about, about each other's history. Incredible. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to tell us more about your work and for all the work that you're doing in your communities to create this project that benefits your students and schools and, and communities. So thank you very much, and congratulations again on being named finalists for this year's award. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Canada's History Podcast. For more information about the Governor General's History Awards, to nominate a teacher, or start an application, visit canadashistory.ca slash awards.